If you have your Bibles, turn me to the book of Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. I've really enjoyed this series. Uh, We've been calling Portraits of Grace. Um, in looking at God's grace and the strength that he gives us and different things that have been going on in the lives of his people. I've liked it because it's kind of forced me to go back and look at some of these, uh, what we would call Sunday school stories, uh, and look at them from a little bit different perspective, a little bit different, look at them through a little bit different lens. And this morning will be no exception to that. We're going to look at Daniel uh, and the lion's den and kind of some things that it has for us. And, and, and you know, it's one of these things that for us, you know, we always talk about, uh, or the implication is that we grow in grace, and we never necessarily know how much we're growing in grace until we're mistreated. You know, it's one thing to be treated well, uh, or, or, or for, for, for things to be going well, and people be treating us well, um, but re- the real test of character comes uh, when we are mistreated in our lives. And today we're going to look at a man uh, named Daniel, uh, uh, a man who did everything right, but yet he was still mistreated. And, and it, it reminds me back of our study of Job and even some other men that we find in the Bible and women that we find in the Bible that did everything right, yet for some reason, uh, you know, something bad fell upon, you know, happened to them. And, and it's no different with Daniel this morning. And, but we'll see that in spite of the injustice toward him, he still honored God. And to give you a little bit of history, uh, as a child, uh, Daniel grew up in Jerusalem, which at the time was, the, was in the southern country of, of Judah. You know, when David was the king of Israel, the two kingdoms were united under the name Israel. Uh, later on, we had uh, a division happen, and those two nations split, and you had Israel to the north and Judah to the south. And, and uh, Daniel was, uh, was a young man and was raised by godly parents who taught him to honor God. Now, God, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, you'll know that God warned his people not to sin, that they would meditate on his word and keep his word, keep his commands, and that if they didn't, that punishment would, would fall upon them. And so after much warning, God had said, listen, if you guys don't return to me, I'm going to allow an a, a invading nation to come in and take you guys captive. And they failed to repent. And so we find the Babylonians, which was another people group in the region, come in and actually defeat and take captive the Israelites. Now, in three separate deportations, the Babylonians came in and they took the best and the brightest of, of of the Israelites, of those young men in Jerusalem, and took them back to Babylon, which is in modern day Iraq, took them back with them. And what they would do, they would indoctrinate them into the Babylonian culture. Uh, they, would, they would be assimilated into the culture so that they would lose their, natu- their national identity, that they would lose any religious beliefs that they have, and that they would give Babylon the best uh, that the world had to offer. And so uh, these young men, uh, Daniel, along with three others that we find, we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego by their, their common names. But you can look back and see the, the, the story of them earlier in the chapter, chapters of the book of Daniel. But despite this immersion of, of Babylonian culture and language and customs, there were aspects of the culture that Daniel refused to be a part of. If you, matter of fact, if you flip back over to Luke, uh, Daniel chapter 1 and look at verse 8, you find a, an example of this. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank, 
Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And it tells us that God gave favor to Daniel in the eyes of this, this eunuch, this guy that was over their dietary uh, needs, and he found favor with him and allowed him to have the diet. And at the end of a 10-day period, Daniel and his three uh, Israelite friends all looked healthier and were healthier than those that were eating of the king's diet. But it was just one of the, the, the aspects of, of, of Daniel that, that where he refused to be a part of that, that culture. And the decision is about much more than just his diet. Uh, he purposed that he would separate from the customs and the culture of the Babylonians, that he wouldn't partake in their worship or their morals, that he recognized he was a child of God and he simply couldn't defile or corrupt himself, uh, himself in that way. And, and, and we see that all throughout the scripture. These men who were, and, and women, uh, these, these young men like Daniel uh, and, and, and women like Esther who were set apart for God's special purposes. That, that they don't look, you, I think of Abraham and, and even David to a certain extent. You can go through all the Old Testament and the New Testament. These men and women, these people who are set apart for God's purposes. And the reality is that, the, that, that we, we talk about like the kind of the culture that we live in today. And it was really no different than the culture that we find even in the Old Testament. Maybe they didn't have the technology that we had. But the things that were in the culture at the time were no different than what we see today. There's still, there was still corruption and sin and a lack of morality. There were all these type of things that were going on in their culture that we see in ours. It's the same story, same song, just another verse. And so what we find is we find today ourselves living in a culture much, much like Daniel found himself living in a culture that, that, that needs people to stand in the gap. They need pe- a culture that needs people to shine the light of the gospel into the areas of life and show them the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And so with, with, with Daniel, uh, he finds himself in this, in, this, uh, in this culture that is against God and against his ways and he's desiring to live a, a godly lifestyle. And, 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 and God desires that we too would live in a way that honors God and, and honors his word. Um, and Daniel held fast to, to the Lord's commands. And in particular, God honored, or Daniel honored God in his diet. And you can see that in, in chapter one. Um, but Daniel was a godly man and people took notice of that. And, and, and um, I'll say this as a note. Uh, because we're going to read it here in just a few minutes as we look at, at some, some passages in the, our text today. But never believe the lie that you've got to sin to get ahead. That when, you, when, you're, when you're at your job, that you've got to do something that maybe is pushing the line of what you feel is right or, or pushing the line of what you feel is the moral decision that needs to be made in there. Never feel like you have to sin to get ahead in life. God will take care of you just like he took care uh, of Daniel. And so when Daniel was young, he had determined that he was going to live for God. But that single decision set the course for the rest of his life. Because where we're going to get to in chapter 6, Daniel has been in Babylon for 65 years. And as we look at the passage, we're going to find some incredible things happen. So look, let's look at Daniel chapter 6. We'll begin reading here in verse 1. It said, It pleased Darius, who was the king at the time, to set over the kingdom 120 uh, satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and then over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps would give an account so that the king might suffer 
no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other, excuse me, high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. I think another, you know, that one, it was God's spirit, but two, I think it's worth noting that God had allowed him to have favor in the eyes of the king. And so we, we keep, uh, keep reading, and, and, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, because, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said, here's their trap, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps and counselors and the governors all are, are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance or a law and enforce an injunction with whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now let me just pause right here because in the land of Babylon, the law was the law. Like it wasn't like one of those things, well, I kind of like Daniel, so we'll just overlook this. If it got signed into law, it, you were locked in that you had to do whatever it was that you said you were going to do in the event that someone broke the law. These satraps, these rulers, they knew it, and so they tricked Darius into signing this lot, this law. And verse 8, Now, O king, establish the injunction, sign the document, so that it cannot be changed according to the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document uh, and injunction. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord. Thank you for the, the song service. We thank you for those who have come early and, and spent time in the, in the prayer room this morning, praying specifically for the service, for the needs that we have. Lord, we lift up those needs that we have on our prayer sheet, Lord. Many of us have come in here this morning, Lord, with, with burdens and maybe minds on, on, on people on that prayer list, their family, their friends, their, their people that we are concerned for. And Lord, we lift them up to you, Lord. You know each and every need. Father, as we are here gathered together this morning, Lord, we have come uh, to worship you. But Father, we do no doubt have things on our minds and on our hearts, Lord, uh, that, that are, are weighing us down, that are, are burdening us, Father. There are worries that we have and decisions that need to be made. And Father, I pray that as we study your word this morning, Lord, you know that we've come in here with, a, with, with a, a point to make or something, but God, it is also your word. And so, Father, I pray that, that as it's delivered this morning, that, Lord, you might uh, encourage us, that you might help us to see the hope that we have in you, Lord, that those that may feel like they're, they're encountering a, 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 an overwhelming uh, situation, Lord, that, that they would see a God who, who takes overwhelming situations and can treat them as if they're nothing because he is all-powerful and all-knowing and you can take care of all things, Lord. Father, I pray today that our view of you would expand and, and grow, that you wouldn't be a small God that we can place in a box and just pull out when it's convenient, but God, that we would see how you encompass our whole life, that you desire our lives and our hearts, Lord, that you desire for us to be a people set apart uh, for your good works, Lord, that the light of the gospel may shine through us, that, Father, we may have an opportunity through our testimony and through our lives to be able to share the life-changing gospel with the people we come in contact with. And Lord, that we would see uh, 
uh, that we would see people saved. That God, we would see people commit their life to you and they would see that you are the one true God, that you are the living God, that you are the God who saves and that Father, you are worthy of our worship and of our, of our praise, that you're worthy of our, our service uh, and, and God, that you desire for us to come alongside you and work. And so Father, I pray this morning that, that God, wherever we may be at this morning, you know every heart, you know every need, you know every worry, you know every anxiety. Father, you know every issue that we came in here with this morning. Uh, God, I pray that you would help us to see that you are the God who meets every need, that you are the God who answers every request, and that, God, we can give all these things over to you. Father, we're so thankful this morning that we can come to you in prayer, thankful that we can come together and, and worship together. Father, we're thankful we, for your word, God, that we can open it together and read it and study it. And so, Father, I pray that you would bless it this morning as we seek to honor you with our hearts and lives, for we ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. And as we kind of dive into the text today, um, uh, we find that, that really kind of three, three, I guess, big points here. But we find first that there's this evil declaration made. You know, every Christian uh, will face trials and attacks through life. Uh, I wish that I could say that if you desired to be a Christian and you gave your life to Christ, that everything would be easy for the rest of your life. But that's simply not the case. In fact, I think Franklin D. Roosevelt put it, put it well when he said, a smooth sea never made a skilled sailor. Sometimes you have to face rough seas so that you can learn to trust the Lord. Now, it's one thing to say you trust him. It's another thing to be put in a situation where you have to trust him and you discover that you can trust him. And all of a sudden, now when the next storm comes, the trust is already there. Daniel was about to face a direct attack, and this attack involved an ungodly trial. Our text tells us there were men who began to carefully analyze Daniel's life so that they could find something for which they could hold against him. They wanted to trap Daniel. Maybe they were jealous of him because he was a foreigner who had ascended uh, the ranks and now he was ruling over them. Maybe he was a man of integrity and it just got all over them that Daniel always did the right thing and always seemed to have the right answer and, and was always filled with wisdom. The Bible says that, that in, in, in Daniel chapter one or two that, that, that God had gifted Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with wisdom and, and knowledge and literature and so these were very sharp young men, and, and, and they were glorifying God with, with their talents and abilities. And so these princes uh, were, were looking for some way uh, to, to bring Daniel down. Now, let me say this. If you live for Christ, there will be people who think that you are the problem. There will be people who think that, that because of who you are, that, that, you're, that you're a problem. Ungodly people may plot against the Christian, not because you've done something wrong, but maybe because you're doing things right. So maybe there's some jealousy there. Maybe as you do things right, you get promoted and, and, and things go well. And so they get jealous. And, and, but let me remind you, our enemy is not the person plotting against you. Let me say that again. If there is somebody plotting against you, your enemy is not the person plotting against you. We have a real enemy, and it's not the people around us. It's Satan. And Satan is a magnificent manipulator. He knows exactly the right buttons to push. Now, your situation may not be a coworker, and I want to touch on this because sometimes we feel like the enemies can come from, from without. 
But you know what? Sometimes Satan knows, well, not sometimes, all the time, Satan knows exactly the right buttons to push. He knows exactly how to get us down. And they can come in a, in a whole multitude of ways. Sometimes for some of us, it's family. Satan knows that the quickest way to get us discouraged is to create some strife in the marriage relationship or to create some strife between the, the children and a parent or to create some strife between brothers and sisters or, or moms and dads, to create some strife somewhere. He knows exactly the place to attack. And the thing we have to do sometimes is to resolve, like Daniel did, that one, we're going to honor the Lord, but two, that we're not going to allow Satan to come in and take these parts of our lives captive. And sometimes that means that we have to say, I'm sorry. Sometimes it means that we're going to have to do things that involve us swallowing our pride and, 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 and stepping into a situation and being grace-filled in a situation where we really don't feel like being grace-filled. And so we've got to understand that we have an enemy. It's not the people around us. It's Satan manipulating, and that's exactly what happened. These men were interested in bringing Daniel down because Satan was interested in bringing these men down. And so don't be discouraged if, the, if there are people who plot against you. The Bible tells us that when we go through trials, we can still find joy and blessing. First Peter chapter 3 says, But if any of you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you'll be blessed. And listen to what he said, Peter says next. Have no fear of them, or nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. As you stand for the truth, be determined to keep standing, to keep standing. And as you do, a faithful testimony to grace, to the grace of God emerges. You know, sometimes God will allow a test into our lives so that we will have a good testimony. Daniel faced a test. It was no fault of his own. And despite their best efforts, Daniel's opponents could find nothing wrong with him. They could not find anything that would really stick. Now, they may have found some things, and they would think in long, you know, big picture, well, that's really not going to make a whole lot of difference. But Daniel was a man of character. Because of his testimony, because of his character, because of his integrity, he was a man that King Darius knew he could trust wholeheartedly. He wasn't perfect, but he was a man of character and integrity. If someone put a scope on you and examined your life, what would they find? What would they find? You know, that's a question sometimes I think we need to ask ourselves because the reality is that the world watches how we as Christians behave. I had a football coach in, in college, and he always said, he said always, he would tell the team like every, every, like every day after practice, he would say, always remember that y'all have the same last name. And his point was, it does not matter who you are. It was about what you represented. And to that community that we were a part of, we represented the, the McKendry University. We represented that school. And anything we did that got into trouble wasn't just a black eye for you as an individual. It was a black eye for the team, and it was a black eye for the campus. So we always say, remember, you all have the same last name. We have to remember the same. We all have the same last name. If you're a Christian, 
you are a Christian first. That is, what, that is your identity. That is who you are. We are children of God. We are a peculiar people. We are a royal priesthood. We are God's chosen people. We are his. He is ours. And we got to remember that we all have the same last name. Now, that's not saying that, that you need to walk out of here and, and you need to be perfect in every, every area of your life. Because you know as well as I do, we're going to walk out of here and Someone's going to cut me off in the parking lot, and I'm going to be upset, and I may think some things, right? Or something may happen, and, and we get angry, and we may act in a way that's not very becoming of a Christian. But here's what being a Christian looks like in those instances. It's recognizing our wrong, it's confessing our sin, and asking forgiveness to those that we've offended, and that we've, that we've offended is not the right word, those that we have wronged. So we go to them, we ask for forgiveness, and in doing so, we, we are admitting that we, we did something wrong, and we're apologizing and, and seeking uh, reconciliation there. So if we do something wrong, and we make a mistake, which we're going to, but we should still be people of integrity and character. We are set apart. We are we are sanctified would be the, the theological word that we would use in an instance like this. We are a sanctified, set-apart people. We are the called-out ones and the sent-back-in ones. God has called us. I love some of the songs we sang this morning. We've been called out of our sin, but now we are being sent back into the world to be those that give testimonies of what God has done in our life and how God has transformed our lives. And you may be saying this morning, well, you know, I really don't have a testimony. You do have a testimony. What God has done in your life, what Jesus did in your life, how you were saved and the events leading up to that, what God has done in your life afterward, you have a testimony. Is your life perfect now? Maybe not, but you still have a testimony. Is God still working? Absolutely. One of the songs we sang this morning had the thing, God's not, God's not through with me yet. He's not done with me. He's not done with you. We still have work to do. He still has work to do in us. He still has work to do through us. But we set ourselves up as Daniel did to have that testimony, that relationship uh, with the Lord. These men soon realized that the only way they could bring Daniel down was through his faithfulness to God. They knew he prayed three times a day, that he, they knew he did it on his roof. And as Solomon had commanded in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, that if the people were ever taken captive, that they were to, to turn toward Jerusalem and, and pray. And so that was how Daniel did it. And then they appealed to King Darius's pride and presented a law that would make it a crime to pray to anyone but him for 30 days. Now these leaders had, had lied in their appeal to Darius. They said, hey, all the rulers have agreed that we should do this. And it was kind of like one of those deals where we say, hey, you know, everybody's saying we really don't, you know, and it's not really everybody. It's maybe you and a couple of your buddies, but it, you know, we always say that because it sounds better. Hey, everybody would like, and so that's what they do. They dare say, everybody would really like for us to make this law that it's against the law to pray to anybody but you for 30 days. And so the king and his pride signs the decree, and at that moment, they know that they have Daniel. So what happens? They go to Daniel's house or, or, or a nearby rooftop, and they set up shop. And they decide that that they're going to catch him. Now, Daniel, when this law was signed, had a choice to make. And, and, and let's look at Daniel chapter, chapter 6, verse 10. When Daniel knew uh, that the document had been signed, 
He went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. And he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed. And I want you to notice what happens, what he does. Three times a day he prayed and gave what? Thanks. He gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. And they came near and said to the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? And the king answered and said, This thing stands fast according to the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles uh, from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. And the king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled him. You know, Daniel could have hidden his faith or justified him not praying publicly for 30 days, but he didn't. This new law wasn't going to rob him of his time with the Lord. You see, he had a, a time that was planned for his prayer. Knowing the law and the punishment, Daniel consciously, consciously chose to put God above everything else, even his own life. That, that was a conscious decision that he made. And like Daniel, we need to purpose or be determined that we will always obey God first and foremost. Daniel prayed publicly and, and toward Jerusalem. Daniel had been praying in Babylon for 65 years. Allah wasn't going to keep him from doing what God had, had told him to do. You see, Daniel realized that having a habitual prayer life was so important that he needed to do it even if it cost him his life. That that prayer was his, his lifeline, that it was his lifeblood, that it was the time that he spent seeking God and seeking his ways and seeking his wisdom. And these rulers, when they caught him praying after this decree was made, they brought him to the punishment uh, that they had planned. The officials assembled at his house, knowing he'd be praying, and went directly to the king to turn him in. And forced by his own law, Darius had Daniel thrown into the lion's den. And as if a pit full of hungry lions wasn't enough, they decided to roll a stone over the entryway so that an 80-year-old man had no chance of escape. Daniel's situation was unique in its specific, but it's not unique in the sense that every person who lives for Christ will encounter persecution. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 12, Paul writes to young Timothy, he says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And you may say, man, that, where's the encouragement in that? Well, it shouldn't discourage us. It ought to encourage us because of what we see God do in Daniel's life as a result of, of, of one, who God is, but Daniel's faithfulness as well. So let's keep reading Daniel chapter uh, 6, verse uh, 
19. Y'all remind you in verse 18, the king's fasting, he's not eating, he's, he, and, he, and he's not sleeping. In verse 19, it says, then at, at break of day, uh, the, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And as he came near the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish, and the king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Now, I'm sure the king went there expecting to not get any response at all. I think in his heart, Darius really thought he was going to go, would cry out to David and, and, and not hear anything. But look at verse 21. Then Daniel They don't say it, but I would say this. Then Daniel miraculously said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. And the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den uh, and, and... um, and no kind of harm was found in him because he trusted in his God. Now, get that. No harm. Why? Because he trusted in God. Remember the song we sang, I know who to turn to? I know who to turn to. Daniel prayed. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them, and broke all their bones in pieces. There was no way escape for Daniel, so these Jewish leaders thought. But they were about to see what God would do to save his faithful. I remind you of the Psalm 37, Psalm 3740. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because he, they take refuge in him. You know, Darius was in no way a, a godly man, but... Uh, he was concerned for Daniel and he couldn't sleep and he was, he was worrying about there. He fasts, he even refers to Daniel as a servant of living God. And God certainly revealed his glory by how he worked on the heart of the king, but that wasn't all God did. He was gonna show his great power by how he protected his man. I, I, as I was thinking about this, three kind of words, four really, kind of came to mind. One is as Christians, we can expect persecution, Two, we have a plan for the persecution, okay? What's that plan? That plan is always Jesus. It's always Jesus. If I, if I determine early on, as Daniel did, that I'm gonna live for him, and I do that, what I discover over the course of time is God's faithfulness. You go back and read the book of Daniel. God, Daniel was faithful to God in his diet. It made him healthier than the other young men that, they, that Babylon had collected and were going through this assimilation process. Then you also have the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three young men who are faithfully living for the Lord. They, they didn't worship Nebuchadnezzar's idol, and, and they get thrown into a fiery furnace, and, and yet they're saved from that. You can go back and read that in the early chapters of the book of Daniel as well. Now you have Daniel, who no doubt heard about his three friends' plight and how God had delivered them and how it must have empowered each of them to see how God had given them favor in the kingdom, how God had given them favor in the eyes of these pagan gods, how God had provided for them and blessed them, all because they had made a plan, a pact, that they were going to live for God and honor him, which now we're seeing through the course of the the book of, of Daniel, we see God's protection and his provision 
because of one, his faithfulness, but two, because of their faithfulness. All these things come full circle. These guys are committed to living for the Lord and God provides for his people. And God has not changed one bit from the book of Daniel to 2019, the month of March in Lebanon, Missouri. He's not a different God. We know it's coming. We plan for it. God protects us and God provides for us. Whatever it is that we may need. And and it was the same with Daniel. No matter what you are facing today, God has the power to deliver you out of it. God has the wisdom you need and the decisions that need to be made. God, God, no, there is nothing that can overcome us. Nothing. Why? Because we are God's children. Not because we are inherently powerful or, or great or magnificent or wise but because the God who lives within us is. And so we honor him with the way that we live our lives, and then we watch as God blesses that and uses us to do things that we never would have thought possible. I mean, imagine the testimony Daniel had after this instance, and now he's able to go and people go, man, that's Daniel, whose God rescued him out of the lion's den. Like, we need to talk to that guy because our God's never done anything like that. And you know what? God can rescue you out of a proverbial lion's den as well. And people who face the same situations or maybe lesser ones or greater ones may say, look, I watched and their God delivered them out of that. Maybe their God can deliver me as well. And so we ask questions. And all of a sudden, the door swings wide open. And so we give glory where glory's due. If you have a situation you find yourself in, and it is overwhelming, and God delivers you out of it, don't ever chalk that up to coincidence. Don't ever chalk that up to chance or to good fortune or luck. It is your God who has blessed you and provided for you and, 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 and did those things for you. And so give him the praise for that. Why? Because there's someone else who says, God, if you are out there, would you please just send somebody into my life that would let me know that you are real. And all of a sudden this divine appointment happens where God blesses you and provides for you and they're praying for recognition and bam, you two guys are together and you have a chance to share with this person what the living God has done in your life. And I'm telling you, if you've never had an opportunity to do that, you've not really lived yet. Because the joy that we receive and, the, and, and just the, the emotions of being able to tell somebody about what God's done in your life and how good and awesome that he is, like, man, there ain't, there's not another, there's nothing on earth like that. I know anybody wants to jump, willingly jump out of a perfectly good airplane just for the sake of skydiving. But not even, not even that would be the same thrill associated with being able to share that. And then compound that with the opportunity that we have that maybe your story is the story that says, you know what, I want to serve a God like that. And you get an opportunity to lead that person to Jesus. Now let me tell you something. There's the only thing greater than the opportunity of leading someone else to the Lord is, the, is, is, is when I was saved myself. That's the only thing that even comes close to it. Nothing else I've done or accomplished or experienced in my life has come close to having the living God forgive me my sins, rescue me from, from certain death, and give me, help me to be born again to a living hope, to a new purpose, 
and a new way of life. Make me a new creation. And you know what? We find ourselves in, in different circumstances this morning, but, but the situation is still the same. We still need God's protection and we still need God's provision. We still need those things. We don't, we don't outgrow them. We don't, we don't make more money that we never need him. We don't, it's, there's never a case where we have enough of something that we no longer need the Lord in our life. And so as we kind of draw to a close this morning, I'll say this, our God is faithful. Over and over and over and over again in the scriptures, we see that over and over. We could go through, we, we could have a blessing service and we could start up here in the front and say, hey, give me, Jerry, give me a way God has blessed you. And then Jerry calls on someone else and we go down through every person in this church, every aisle, and every single one of us could share some way that God has blessed us. Our God is faithful. And, over, uh, and, and Daniel, finding himself in a hopeless situation, did the only thing he needed to do, turn to God in prayer. Then God did only what he could do, deliver Daniel. And God's calling us to be like Daniel, to be distinct in, 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 in testimony, to be distinct in our prayer life, to put our confidence in him when we're thrown into our own den of lions. And God will give us the grace we need to keep our stand. Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you.